The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. I'm Kaylee, for those of you who don't know me or who don't come to the Inn during the year, um, and I was an intern this past year, um, and I get the pleasure of speaking tonight. Um, Annika asked me like two weeks ago if I would be willing to talk, and I was really excited to come up and share with you all. So I get to be here. So we're starting a new series. I'm kind of right in the way of this. I'm going to move. We're starting a new series tonight. Woo, Mythbusters. Okay, so I will take it from that response that you guys actually know what this is. Um, But for those of you who don't know what it is, it's basically a show where they take myths that like, the general public believes and then they test them to see if they're true or not. Um, my personal favorite episode, they tested whether or not if you sneeze with your eyes open, if your eyeballs would actually fly out of your sockets, which I'm pretty sure the conclusion was is not true, but whatever. So um, we're kind of doing the same thing here. So we're going to take ideas and like preconceived notions and maybe misconceptions that we have about things in our faith, and then we're going to kind of look at them and test them and see if they're true or not. Um, So our goal through this whole series that's going to go for the next couple weeks is basically that you guys can feel encouraged um, knowing the truth about these things, and then that we also give you new tools to kind of engage with them. So tonight I get to talk about prayer, which is no small feat. Um, In preparing for this talk, I had way too many things to talk about, so I will try to keep the tangents to a minimum. But um, I just think prayer is so interesting. It's something that we do all the time in church. Like we sit and we pray, or we pray before we eat, or um, we say that we're going to pray for people. And you see all these examples of Jesus teaching us how to pray or um, him actually praying in the Bible. And yet I find it so hard to be dedicated and committed to prayer. It's not something that I'm as consistent in as I would like to be. And I kind of wonder why, because when I spend the time praying, when I actually spend time with the Lord, I'm like, oh, this is so great. Like, I feel relieved, and I feel so much better, and I can feel his presence, and this and that, but I don't do it consistently. Um, I'm guessing that I'm not the only person that's in that situation. Um, So tonight, we're going to kind of talk about prayer and what it looks like to be someone who's dedicated to prayer and the misconceptions that we believe about it. So in the spirit of prayer, we're going to pray before we get started. So will you guys bow your heads and pray with me? Uh, God, thank you for tonight. Uh, thank you for a place where we get to worship you freely. Um, thank you for everyone who is here tonight, and I just pray that you would open their ears and open their hearts to um, the message that you're trying to convey tonight, God. And um, I thank you that prayer is a place that we get to come and communicate with you. Um, And I just pray that you would speak through me tonight. Give me the words that you need these people to hear. Um, And I pray this in your precious and holy name. Amen. Cool. So, prayer. (sighs) Um, So, prayer is this thing that's important, right? Like, we put a lot of emphasis on it. We do it all the time in church. And yet, we forget to pray all the time. Um, Why? And I think the why behind that is the biggest myth about prayer. And I think the biggest myth about prayer is that we don't actually believe that it works. Um, I know that I've spent a lot of time praying for things and to only have nothing come of it, to not see any results of it, to not see God give me an answer or lead me in a clear direction. And that's frustrating. And so I just think that it's something we say, oh yeah, we pray and we're supposed to do it. And it's something we do in church and, you know, bow our heads and sit there silently while someone's praying. But like, how often do we actually engage in it? Um, 
And I think it's because we don't always get the answers that we want. But in Mark 11, 22 through 24, Jesus says to his disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt it in his heart, but believes that he, what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Now, I would love to say that if I prayed, Dear God, please throw Mount Rainier in Puget Sound, that he would do it. But I don't actually believe that that's going to happen. Um, I would like to say that I believe, like, even with the little prayers, I'm like, oh, yeah, God's totally going to see that through, and it's going to happen. But I don't. Um, I think that I'm easily disheartened and discouraged when I don't see the results of my prayer. Um, And I'm guessing that you guys are, too. So Summer Inn looks a little bit different for those of you guys who haven't been here. So we're kind of trying to make it more communicative, I guess. Um, I don't know if that's the right word. But so along like my sermon, I'm going to give you guys questions. So you can either, if you're kind of introverted, you can reflect on them by yourself or you can talk to people around you. So your guys' first question task um, is why do you guys become discouraged in prayer? Like think about times that you have been discouraged and why. Make sense? Okay, go. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. I'm so impressed. You guys are so chatty. Um, Okay, so why do we become discouraged in prayer? So when I was looking at my own prayer life, I came up with two main reasons of why I get discouraged. So the first of those is that God, quite frankly, doesn't answer my prayers fast enough, um, which might seem really silly. But I think we live in this world that is so focused on instant gratification. It's like we get up and we expect that our Keurig has brewed our coffee in 30 seconds and that my phone instantaneously connects to the Wi-Fi, which drives me crazy when it doesn't. And that like as soon as we take a test within the next day, the score should be online. Like those are all things that I know I have expectations of. And I think that I somehow have decided that God should be held to that same expectation, forgetting that God has his own timing. Um, it's easy to be like, God, you didn't answer my prayer. Well, yeah, I didn't wake up the next morning and something miraculously changed, but that doesn't mean that he's not answering my prayers. Um, so I think it's just holding, like he doesn't answer my prayers fast enough, and I get really frustrated with that. But at the same time, I think that God calls us to be people who persevere in the face of unanswered prayer. Um, I know in my own life, I've had plenty of unanswered prayers. Um, so this is, Kelsey's going to put up a picture of my brother. Um, so I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Um, these are some great pictures of us, probably all from the last year. So, um, and I didn't grow up, grow up in a Christian home, so I didn't grow up praying or anything like that. Um, and I'm super close to my family, but so I spent a lot of my time, a lot of my prayers focused around my family, um, just wanting them to know and like accept the love of Christ for themselves. Um, and I'd say probably for the last three or four years, I, on a weekly or daily basis, have spent time praying for them, individually and collectively, um, just that they would know the love of God. Um, And I've spent, as you can imagine, many days with no evidence of any change or anything like that, which is frustrating. Um, But it's something that I want desperately enough that I think it's worth praying for. Um, But in the last year, my brother has come to have his own faith, and that has been the coolest thing in the entire world. Um, I'm not saying he has a faith because I prayed for him. That's definitely probably not true. Um, But I think that it helps, and it's something that I was consistent in prayer and and continue to pray for my mom and dad through that process. But it's something, there's something to be said for persevering through prayer when it's unanswered. 
Um, and it's been the biggest blessing. My brother now is um, one of the biggest supporters in my faith. He's someone who encourages me and challenges me in my faith more than a lot of people in my life. Um, and if you'd asked me three or four years ago if my brother would ever believe in Jesus, I would have probably laughed at you. Um, so it's just God did listen to my prayers um, over the course of the last three or four years. He did listen to my prayers, and he did answer them. And just because it wasn't instantaneous doesn't mean that he wasn't listening. Um, so the second reason I found that I get frustrated with prayer most often is that God doesn't answer my prayers the way that I want him to. Um, I think all of us can attest to having some plan in my head of, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this, and it's going to work out this way. And God's answer doesn't always line up with that. And I think it's hard. I think it's it's hard to have him say, like, I want you to do this instead, um, or I'm going to tell you this hard truth when you don't want to hear it. Um, and it's in those moments where I start to question who God really is. Um, like, for example, it's like, okay, well, I think that I should just be passive-aggressive towards my roommate, and God says, I want you to have that awkward conversation, and I want you to persevere through that. Um, like, I don't want to do that. Like, what kind of God makes me do, like, put myself in that kind of situation? Or, like, God, I really want to stay in this relationship. And he says, like, yeah, but it's not good for you. Um, and so just kind of he presents me with these challenges that I don't really want to face. And I, in the middle of that, start kind of debating, like, who God really is. So this clip sort of illustrates that, and I'll explain it afterwards. Thank you for my best friend and teammate, Cal Naughton Jr., who's got my back no matter what. Shake and bake. <laughs> Dear Lord Baby Jesus, we also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible leg. <laughs> it smells terrible, and the dogs are always mm. bothering with it. Mm. Dear tiny infant Jesus. Hey, we... um, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. Well, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus or bearded Jesus or whoever you want. <laughs> you know what I want? I want you to do this grace good so that God will let us win tomorrow. Your tiny Jesus, your golden fleece diapers with your tiny little fat balled-up fist paw. He was a man. He had a beard. <laughs> Look, I like the baby version the best. Do you hear me? I win the races and I get the money. Ricky, finish the damn grace. I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt where it says, like, I want to be formal, but I'm here to party, too. I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. I like to picture Jesus as a ninja fighting off evil samurai. I like to think of Jesus, like, with giant eagle's wings yeah. and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner with like an angel band and I'm in the front row and I'm hammered drunk. Hey Cal, why don't you just shut up? Yes ma'am. Okay. Dear eight pound six ounce newborn infant Jesus don't even know a word yet just a little infant so cuddly mm. but still omnipotent. Mm. We just thank you for all the races I've won and a 21.2 million dollars. Woo! Woo! Love that money. All right, you can stop. That I have. <laughs> okay, so what does that have anything to do with what I'm talking about? Okay, so it's a really funny example, but like Cal and Ricky Bobby are debating about like who God is. You know, like, okay, well, I see God as this little helpless infant, and I see God as a 
Catholic life's a party, who wears a tuxedo t-shirt, right? So we see, I think we see God in these different ways, but it's at the core of like when I'm presented with something that's challenging, I have to remember like what who the character of God is. Oh, sorry guys. Um, and just remembering that like God is loving and God is for me and God wants nothing but the best for me. And I think that in those moments of him challenging me and giving me the answers that I don't want, it's really easy for me to forget that. And it's really easy for me to say, like, my way is better. I'm going to do it this way. When really, like, he pre- he's presenting me with something that says, I'm going to give you the answer to, like, I like to think of it as, like, the path of least resistance. Like, it might seem really challenging in that moment. And I've been in that moment. But he's giving me the path. And he's like, I want you to be hurt the least. Like, I'm going to give you the path that hurts the least and is going to give you the broken, like, the least amount of broken heart that I can. Um, but so many times I kind of just reject that. Um, and I think, oh, well, I know better than God and I'm going to do it my way. And I forget that like he is loving and at the core of who he is that like he cannot help but be loving. Um, and I think Galatians 5.22 is this perfect reminder of what God's character looks like. So the fruit of the spirit is love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if I can remember that that's what God's character is, then it's a little less hard to take those things that he's given me that are hard and say, okay, I'm going to do that instead because you want what's best for me. Um, so Psalm 37.4 reads, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So if we truly believe that God loves us, that he is who he says he is, and that he's this good and benevolent God, then we have to know that he longs to give us the desires of our heart. Like, he wants to give us the things that mean the most to us. So a lot of people who aren't Christians have countered this verse by saying, well, if God gives you the desires of your heart, why doesn't he give me a million dollars? Well, let's be honest. Everyone would love to have a million dollars. I would love to have a million dollars. That would be great. But at the core of asking for a million dollars, there's something else. Like, why do you want a million dollars? You want a million dollars so that you can buy everything so that you can be happy. Or like, let's say the desire of my heart is to ace this exam that I'm taking. Why do I want to ace that exam? For me personally, it's probably because I equate getting an A with success, which I like translates to my parents being proud, which means that they love me more. So that translates into, I just want to be loved. Or like, why does every girl want to look like a Victoria's Secret model? Probably because they want people to notice them and they want people to, like, to know them, to want to know them. So it's like underneath all these worldly desires is the core of our desire, which basically is just to be fully known and to be fully loved. Um, and I think that that drives everything. And like the best part about that being the core of all our desires is that God already knows that. Like, he knows that more than anything, we want to be fully loved, and we want to be fully known. We don't have to tell him that. So when we're praying the desires of our heart in our prayers, like, he knows what's underlying that. Um, And I think that God seeks to satisfy the desires of our heart. Um, And the things that we pray for, like, he grants us those prayers, but in a way that satisfies us eternally rather than temporarily. And that's where, like, the it doesn't exactly line up. And sometimes we get these things and I'm like, well, that plan looks like it sucks. I'm going to take my plan. But he's really trying to satisfy something that's eternal and not temporary. Um, So think back to this movie clip that I just showed you guys. So Ricky, Bobby, and Cal have these very different views of who God is. Um, And I would argue that everyone in this room probably has differing views on who God is. 
So I want to make the argument that the way that we see God affects how we pray. So, for example, if I see God as someone who's wrathful and angry and someone to be feared, so let's personify him as a cop. If I see him as a cop, I'm probably going to avoid him, right? Like, I don't want to deal with that. Like, I, I will pull over just so that he can go past me, right? So if you see God as someone who's to be feared, you're going to avoid him and you're only going to come into contact with him when you're at your best, when you're like, oh, I can present myself. I look really great right now, and you're not going to get mad at me. Or it's like, do you see God as this, like, benevolent, like, father? So, like, when you think about your own dad, you don't tell your dad everything, right? But, like, you think that he's great. So it's like, if you think of him as a benevolent father, you're going to come to him with, like, praise, but you're also not going to tell him everything about your life all the time. Or, like, maybe you think of God as a friend, in which case you do come to him exactly how you are, which I think is great. But at the same time, like, do you respect, like, his power over your life, like, his guidance over your life enough to make that relevant? So I want to argue that the way that we see God, and that's going to differ for everyone, is reflects the way that we pray and the things that we feel allowed to pray for. Um, so take a couple minutes. You can talk amongst yourselves or just think to yourself of, like, how do you see God? So think about in your prayers, like, what do you, this isn't necessarily, but it might help. Like, how do you address God in your prayers? Like, do you address him as Lord? Do you address him as Father? Do you address him as Abba? Like, whatever that is. And then how does that kind of affect what you pray for? All right. So I kind of want to, if that question was difficult, which I get that it's kind of abstract, to think of it as, like, God's really no different than how we treat our friends, right? So you have friends who you tell your dirty little secrets to, and you have friends who you don't, right? You do. You all know that you do. You have friends that you're like, hmm, yeah, no, not telling you that, because you will judge me. Um, but I think that we treat, like, we treat God in the same way. So if we think of God in a way that, like, oh, I'm not telling God that, even though he already knows, if I'm, like, you think of it that way, it's, like, how we treat him is a reflection of how, like, we perceive that person's judgments and expectations of us. So if we perceive God as someone who is going to judge us and, like, be angry and all of these things, like, that's our perception of how he is. Um, And I think that way too often, my perception of God is this huge and wonderful and loving God who's super great and really does care about me, but he's too big and too busy to actually care about the little things in my life. So... For me, I come to God when it's like, oh, I have a life-altering decision or something's really, really important. But on like a day-to-day thing, I kind of feel like a nuisance. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to bug him with that. It's not that important. Um, And I think that that prevents me from coming to God exactly how I am. And that's the last thing that God wants. I think that prayer is set up for a place where you can come to God as you are. Um, And Really, like, his desire for us is for us to come to him in, like, our most pure and honest and vulnerable form. Like, that's what he wants for us. Like, his desire for us is to be free in his presence and know that his grace and his love and his mercy is way bigger than anything that could ever separate us from him. Um, And I think it's just remembering, like, God wants to fulfill the desires of your heart. And the desires of your heart are to be fully loved and to be fully known, but to, like, get to that place, we have to actually be able to come to him and say, like, okay, this is how I am. Like, I feel angry today, God. I'm going to do that instead of, oh, God, today's so great, but really I'm just not having a great day. Um, And I think that C.S. Lewis really, like, summed this up really well, and he said that we must lay before him what is in us and not what ought to be in us.
Um, so when I think about my own prayer life, I think there's kind of two distinct sections. So I either pray in a way where I like carve out a lot of time or I kind of pray like conversationally. So when I carve out a lot of time, um, I tend to sit around, sit and journal, um, which maybe sounds really weird, but I cannot pray silently. For those of you who can sit and pray for a long time silently, props to you because I can't do it. Usually like the busyness of my like day and just I get distracted, it doesn't work. So I write out my prayers all the time. It takes way longer. I know this, but that's okay. Um, so I'll write out my prayers, but it really does help me focus and center on like, okay, what is God telling me? Like what did those people need that I'm praying for? Um, and that really, really helps me. And so this last year with my core group, um, every time that we had core group at the end of the like end of our time, I would say, okay, what are your guys' prayer requests? And I would write them down. And I would pray for I prayed for them throughout the year and that kind of thing. And at the end of the year, I wrote them little notes that I was like, this is what you prayed for this year. And this is like the way that I've seen God work it out. And that was such a cool thing. Like not just for them, hopefully for them, but for me to see like, (laughs) for me to see the way that God's worked in their life and has been faithful and has been provided. And like me writing out my prayers gives me the ability to do that. Like I can look back and be like, oh, I did pray for that. And that did work out. And God did hear my prayers. Um, another way that I, when I carve out a lot of time to pray is to doodle. Anyone who knows me, I love to, I love to doodle. Um, so I'll pick a piece of scripture that resonates with me, whatever, whatever is going on in the day, um, and just pick something. And like, as I'm doodling, I'll just pray, um, for people or for my situation or whatever is kind of on my heart at that time. And that's a really, really helpful way for me to, um, do it. And I realized that's not everyone's thing, but... I'm trying to give you guys ideas of kind of how to engage with prayer. I think Barkley, if you guys know him, he was an intern last year. He told me that when I doodle, it's that I'm writing things on my heart. Like, that's how I internalize scripture. I need to stop doing that. Um, Like, that's how I internalize scripture, and I think that's true. Like, it for me, it's the best way for me to understand God's truth. Um, And so I spend a lot of time doing that. My journal is more of that and less of written out prayers. But, um, and then another thing that I'll do is when I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm feeling burdened just by either the brokenness that I see in the world or things that is going on with my friends or my family, a lot of times I will go down to the Burt Gilman and I will pick someone and I'll pray for a different person for every half mile. So for five minutes or six minutes or however long it takes me to make that half mile, I'll just say, okay, I'm going to pray for this person. Um, and that works really well. And it is a really good way for me to see, like, am I serving the people around me well or not? Because if I can't genu- sit there and make have genuine and specific prayers for the people in my life, I'm probably not serving them that well. Um, so it kind of serves as, like, holding myself accountable, but also is really helpful. And um, I think praying for others and the people in my life prevents me from being just like bogged down in like the brokenness of like our world. Um, and it kind of helps me live into Matthew eleven thirty, which is for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Like God doesn't want us to be like bogged down with all of this stuff. And he's like, as I lift others up to God, like I can lay all the things that I'm feeling, my emotions and my exhaustion and that kind of stuff at his feet. And that's really helpful. Um, and a lot of times for me, prayer just looks like listening. And I forget that if I'm constantly talking, I can't hear God say anything. And that doesn't give him any room, like, any room to move. And I think, for me at least, like, a preconceived notion I have is prayer is me talking all the time. 
which is not helpful. Um, and so I've kind of gotten in the habit of just sitting down and saying, God, like, clear my heart and clear my mind and just sitting there and waiting um, just to feel his presence. And I think these are just examples of things that I do when I, like, carve out a lot of time to pray. But I think if we're not spending time with God, there's no way for us to have a relationship with him. Um, and I think that I forget that in prayer. Like, we have to be spending time with God in prayer to have a relationship with him. So the other way that I see prayer is kind of a continuous conversation. So think about the person you text the most in the day. Maybe that's your mom. Maybe that's your boyfriend. Maybe that's your best friend. I don't know. But you text them all the time, right? Like, you text them funny things that happened, or you complain to them, or you text them thoughts, or whatever it may be. But what if, like, we engage with God in that same way um, of just kind of a continuous conversation? Like, it doesn't have to be this long, drawn-out thing um, every day. But to say, like, when I'm on my, you know, last thread and someone, my mom's driving me crazy, of just subconsciously saying, like, God, please give me patience. Or it's on my way to work of saying, like, I'm really tired today, God. Can you give me some more energy? Or just thanking God, I thank God for this, when I find my favorite pen that I thought I had lost. You guys probably don't pray about that, but I do. Um, and I think it's just, it's looking for God's presence in the little things. And I found, like, the more that I'm looking for his presence, the more that I see it. Um, and it's just a matter of training your eye to it and being, like, continuously engaged with him. So, okay, last question. So talk amongst yourselves about how you usually engage in prayer. And I think it's just really helpful to hear how other people do it so that you have new ideas of like, okay, this isn't working for me. In the way that like silently praying doesn't work for me, of talking to other people and saying like, how does, how do you engage in prayer and how is it helpful to you? So go. I'm so impressed. You guys are so chatty. I don't know if you're actually talking about what we're supposed to be talking about, but it's great anyways. Um... So this is kind of my last point. Hang with me. You guys are doing great. Um, so lately, I've been doing sit-ups, which seems really irrelevant, I realize, but in hopes that I would get in better shape, whatever. So I decided that for the whole month of July, I was going to do them every day in hopes that it would become a habit, right? So I don't think that really prayer is any different. So how do, like, how do you make any habit? It got me thinking about, like, okay, brushing my teeth. That's something I do all the time, subconsciously. When I'm brushing my teeth, I'm not like, okay, get my back teeth and, like, get my front teeth. Like, I don't know. You just do it, right? But, like, how like how did we get to a point of, like, just brushing our teeth subconsciously, like, not really thinking about it? Um, and I think it's like, well, our parents taught us how, or someone taught us how to brush our teeth, right? And then they made sure that we did it every single day, and then we got better and better at it through repetition, and I don't think that prayer is any different than that. Um, so my challenge to you is to try it, to take something that hopefully you've gotten from this um, of a new way to engage with prayer and just try it. Like, there's not a better time to start praying um, and just spending time with God in that way. So that's all I have for you. But you guys pray with me, and then we'll be just about done. God, thank you um, for tonight. Thank you for people to have conversations with um, about you. And I just pray that you would continue to um, fill our hearts and give us insight into how you want us to engage with you, God. And I pray that we would just be able to come into your presence knowing that you want us to be free, 100% free to be ourselves, um, and that you are a loving God who wants the best for us. And even when we cannot we don't get the answer that we want or you take too long um, that you are faithful um, and that you love us. So help us to remember that. In your name we pray. Amen.